0: It's always a little nerve-wracking when you have a really good um, quote to bring up and then you forgot to print it out, but when your seat partner has an iPad, God's covered it. See, God never stops working. It's the truth. (laughs) Technology may stop working, but uh, God never does. So we are living, it's like we're living right in the middle of this. So So. it is, um, it is really great to be back. Um, Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. And I really do mean that now in a way that I think folks tend to say that when they're up here, but um, having been on sabbatical since the beginning of the spring, I've really missed um, this place and the people and the community and the work that we do together. Um, And so it's just great to look out and to see these familiar faces and the people that are attached to them. It's great to be physically present with folks again um, in a way that's just very sustaining. So, And in addition to the familiar faces, I know we have some um, some new faces. D-Men, this 2022 D-Men cohort, you're here for your first residency. Is that right? Are y'all kind of out right there? Is that y'all? Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is an exciting time. Um, I know these are big journeys, and it's exciting to see everyone at the beginning kind of stepping out together um in a really full of hope and energy and (laughs) endless possibilities for how things are going to go so um we're grateful that y'all are here Um, i was a bit worried about preaching today because last week i um was sort of felled unexpectedly by this very bad cold type of illness um just very very sick not covid but um all these symptoms kind of piled down on me, and I thought, I'm not sure how I'm going to get my work done this week. And I had a lot I was doing because I preached, not only am I preaching here today, but I preached in our church on Sunday on a different text. And so I thought, well, I'll just do my best, and I got my thoughts together, but um, when I arrived on Sunday, I was not exactly at top form, you know, I was still sort of clammy, and my voice was shaky, and I had pink eye which is always exactly what you want to bring into, you know, any kind of public performance these, you know, bleary, you just kind of look like you're a wretched creature up there trying to <laughs> trying to share. And I kept reading the scripture, and it was fairly long, and I would get lost. I was like, what line am I on? Where am I? Um, but God, God covers. He was good. And I'm grateful that God, um, you know, brought me back to health and time to be here in an, in an unencumbered way for y'all. But it, um, it made me think about another time when I was sick at an inopportune moment. Um, And it's interesting that the demon class is here because it was the beginning of my doctoral journey. Uh, 19 years ago next month, I started my PhD work at the University of Durham in England. And I was nervous to say the least. It seemed like a very big undertaking. And um, my supervisor, his name was Robert Song, and he, we were scheduling my first trip in residency to be there in England, kind of like y'all are doing now. And he said hey come on over you know a few days early and there's this conference of christian ethicists from britain and it'll be great you can meet some people we'll hear some papers you and i can can chat more frequently and i said that sounds great and my mentor when i was a i was an um, mdiv student here in late 90s my mentor was dr christine Pohl, who is professor emeritus of christian ethics and she was very excited for me and she said now Maria, you need to, this is a great opportunity, you need to be in really top form, You know, make sure you have your notes, make sure you've worked through your texts, make sure you're in good health and whatnot. And I thought, okay, I'll, I can do it, I can do this. <laughs> and so I, I busily take notes and I am writing all of my things and about three or four days before I leave, I wake up with a sore throat, which is always symptom number one for me. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. Oh, no, no, we can't, we can't do this. I've got something really big planned, so we gotta, we got to get rid of this. And so I take some naps, I drink some orange juice, I go to bed early. I'm like, I'll sleep it off. So next day I wake up with sinus congestion and feeling worse and a headache, and I think, all right, got a couple days you know, buffer here. <laughs> I'll take some more vitamin C, I'll take some NyQuil, I'll take another nap, I'll go to bed early, I'll sleep it off. So, a couple more days go by, and it's the morning of my leaving for England, and I am much, much worse. Like, I've got the whole thing has arrived, I have this hacking cough, which is just what you want on the person sitting next to you on a plane for eight, eight hours, you know, you want them to be, um, you know, spreading germs everywhere. And so, I, I drag myself onto the plane, and I'm sweaty and clammy, and I'm coughing, and I have all my stuff with me, and I think, all right, it's an eight-hour flight, I'll Take some, Michael. I'll, you know, I'll get a nap. I'll sleep it off. <laughs> you know, hope springs eternal for those who have big plans ahead. And so I arrive in London and disembark and catch the the, uh, the bus to Oxford, where we we're having the conference. And in the course of going over the Atlantic, I have managed to now acquire, sort of the last two symptoms in the penultimate stage of my sickness. When I get sick like this, um, my voice was going and I had pink eye. <laughs> so I'm just a disaster, and I'm sort of giving up hope at the moment. I'm thinking this is not gonna go well, so I you know, arrive in Oxford and I kind of struggle up the path with my big bag of clothing and my big bag of books, and I think, all right, it starts tonight. I'm just gonna go in, I'm gonna very discreetly you know, check into the conference and register. I'm gonna go up to my room, I'm gonna take some medicine, I'm gonna sleep it off. <laughs> like I'm still clinging to this. And so I walk in and there's a man and a woman in the office and I say, hi, I'm here to check in for the conference. My name's Maria Kenny." And the man steps forward and says, oh, lovely. I've been looking forward to meeting you. I'm Robert Song, my supervisor. And I'm like, oh, because of course you are, you know? What um, what else, who else would you be? And I'm sitting here, you know, just clammy, flushed, um, voice is gone, pink eye, and I said, it's very nice to meet you. And he goes, well, you do look a bit unwell, which if you know how to translate British, that stands for, I'm not sure why you're here, and I wish you would take a step back because I'm, <laughs> I'm concerned about you getting me sick, typhoid Mary. Um, and he says, he says, you know, why don't you go take a rest before tonight? And I said, I think I'll do that. So I head up to my room and I put my stuff down and I think, this is not the beginning I had envisioned. <laughs> this is not what Christine Pohl told me to do. I have really blown it. I've made a bad first impression, and I've got all these books I was going to try to be cool about, and I really just was um, anxious, bordering on frightened. And, you know, as it turns out, that trip was the beginning of a long, and lovely, and beautiful collaboration and journey with my doctoral advisor, who has now become a close friend. Uh, he was a, a lovely person to have as an academic um, guidance counselor, but. Also, just as a fellow uh, brother in Christ, as a a fellow traveler in in the journey, these things were really important to me all those years. And I'm glad that that bad beginning did not set things off course. So a couple of years into it, I ended the, the PhD. I was at a difficult point. I was starting to move from sort of master's level work to PhD level work. And I was not doing as well as I would have liked. I struggled with, um, I didn't have much of a research background, and so I was trying to, you know, what are primary sources? What are secondary sources? How do you paraphrase? How do you pray see? All these things that I thought I should have known by then. And I was having a lot of trouble submitting work to Robert because I kept thinking he's going to, he is going to um, judge me for the low quality of this work. He is going to say, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have admitted her. Um, why did I get stuck with this student? And, um, I was sort of having this moment in his office during one of my supervisions, and and he said, you know, you can do this. He said, I, I have no doubt you can do this. You have the brains for it. You have the passion for it. He said, so you're having to learn some new skills. Everybody has to learn those at some point in the journey. You're just learning them a bit later, but you can do this. I think you have a great project. This, is, this, this project you've envisioned is going to be important to the church. It's going to be important for spiritual work in the academy and and you can do it. Let's just work together and we'll do it. And for some reason that um, that conversation ended up being kind of a revelation to me that I didn't have to have all the skills I needed when I started in. But the longer we journeyed together in that and as I've continued to work in the church and in the academy, I've realized it wasn't just a revelation. It was a benediction of sorts. Um, to have speak see what I consider to be my worst writing. And I'm talking about, you know, presenting a paper to him that I thought was quite high quality on Plato, and he said, this is just not up to the level where we need to be. And to hear that from someone you're trying to impress and who is guiding you, I just felt struck to the core. Then to immediately come in and have him say, I I know you can do this. Just because you're not doing it right now doesn't mean we can't do it. We step forward, we keep working, we work together. And I moved forward into the rest of my work with him, and as I said, the rest of my work here and at our church, really feeling like the benediction covered me, and I could move forward um, with it gracing me and blessing me. And it was his confidence, it was his belief that God takes care of us, um, and those things really stuck with me. And so when I began to think about this sermon, when um, Jessica emailed me and said, you know, there's a opportunity to preach, and it's the D-Men's first time here, and I thought about how nervous I was my first time starting on my doctoral journey, and how I needed to impress, and I needed to be the best student he would ever had, and I needed to have the most insightful notes, and and all these requirements I was putting on myself wrapped in with the, um, just the uncertainty of not knowing anything about what a doctorate was. Um, And even those of y'all who are not here with the D-Men class, who are here in the chapel or who are listening at home or something, we've we've all had those moments when we've stepped into something new and do not know what's going to happen. My son started his middle school journey yesterday, and it's very different. Um, He didn't know what to expect. The expectations are going to be higher. The structure will be different. Um, You could be anxious, um, and we want to prove ourselves in this new capacity, and it adds up the pressure. So um, when I began thinking about the sermon, I thought, what's a word I could offer Um, not just to the demon class, to everybody, but really with a word of of confidence for us as we begin whatever it is we're beginning, whether we're beginning our doctoral program, whether we're beginning a new semester, um, looking forward to marriage, looking forward to a new job, or just thinking back on or looking ahead to big transitions in our lives. What are some words we can give uh, to each other? And I thought about... um, I thought about this this verse, which I'd never really considered in the context of academic work. Um, These wonderful, beautiful verses from Philippians, the first chapter of Philippians, welcoming us into this letter and the the life of the Philippian church. Um, And I thought, well, what are some words I could give? And sort of my husband was joking around. He said, well, you could preach from Matthew 5, 48, you know, be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. (laughs) I was like, that would be great, you know, be perfect. Have fun. (laughs) Good luck with that dissertation. (laughs) No pressure. Um, But then I started thinking about it, that the word perfect in that verse is um, a really gorgeous Greek term, rooted in the Greek, uh, the word telos, which means um, end or termination of, as in a journey, arriving at the destination where where you have been pointing to go. Um, a completion a maturity like maturing in Christ and we oftentimes use it for, per- for perfect and we think about that um, in a very static way I need to be perfect not thinking about that another gloss might be being perfected which is much more of a sense of activity and participation it's not a you get there and there are no more mistakes ever in life but it's a sense of being shaped being perfected, being brought along a step at a time towards a con- the destination where, we're, where God has set us and is accompanying us. Um, and so when we get hung up on things like <clears throat> the idea of I must be perfect because our Heavenly Father is perfect and I need to be too because this is how, you know, we're commended to be, it can be very difficult um, personally, professionally, both in secular and spiritual ways, it can be very difficult to try to reside every moment in that. Um, Why is it a problem? If we are so always trying to focus on attaining and and maintaining perfection, um, we get very nervous about our weaknesses. We do not like being vulnerable about them. Um, We try to hide our mistakes. And we even go so far as to try to avoid situations where we would make mistakes at all. Um, We might say, well, I'm not quite sure about that, so I'm not going to step out. I'm going to stick with what I know. I'm going to stick with what I'm good at. Um, Because if I I step on and try this, if I try something new, I might blow it. You know, I might make a big mistake, and then people would realize that I don't have it together the way I think I I do, that my image doesn't, you know, fit who I am inside. Uh, They would see that I'm not just not able to do certain things, but oftentimes we we take it much deeper and say we are not the kind of person who can be faithful and who can complete the task God gives us. Um, We feel um, just frightened and ashamed and think, you know, if I'm not being able to, everyone else looks like they're doing so well. If I can't get there, um, I must be in the wrong place. And people are going to see that. And they're going to say, you're the one. You're the one who should not have been let in. Um, You're the one who should not have been hired. You're the one that is not uh, worthy of this community that God has formed for us and has invited us into. And so we step back. We try to be invulnerable. We don't don't extend into areas where we might grow and learn and stretch ourselves. And that makes it very, very difficult to live a faithful, full, mature life life of faithfulness and discipleship. It's very hard to grow in the stature of Christ if we avoid all attempts at growth because we're scared that we'll make a mistake. Um, and there's something about it. It's not just in the church. It's not just our spiritual things, but in our society, we have at least sort of grown up in and been shaped by this idea that people should be able to do things well the first time, conquer them very well. You read these... Um, vignettes or anecdotes about successful people and it's like you know the, the youngest person ever hired to be this vice president and they You know were they were promoted in three years and they went on to have this spotless record of whatnot. and you think well All right, like the, the people who are really worth it um, They don't ever make mistakes. They, they move they achieve. It's this constant uh, string of successes that they and so when we have moments where we struggle or we fail or we question our dedication or our abilities we don't want to share that with anybody because we think, well, I'm the only one who doesn't. It's not just that I am doing things wrong, but something is wrong with me. If I'm the one that God can't help to succeed just like that. And it's not, it's not a way for us to live into the fullness that God calls us into. Um, when you think about the life of discipleship, um, the image oftentimes, an analogy they use is like the idea of being apprenticed. Which back in the day, or even now, we had a student here named Randall Cup. Graduated a few years ago. He was great, and he um, went through this apprenticeship program to build uh, naval carriers. I believe so. A long, a long journey of learning how to craft these naval carriers. That's an incredible thing when you think about it. And the idea of apprenticeship is not that they they tell you you read in the book and then you go do it perfectly the first time. The idea of apprenticeship is about okay, you have to weld these things on here. No, you hold the welder this way. No, you, it's helpful if you do this first. Okay, that doesn't look very straight, but one thing you can work on is this. It's very much a sense of participatory learning, of continual improvement, of mastery over a skill that you've deemed to be productive and helpful. Um, No one would think you would go in and, and be, and everyone would say, oh, we can just, yeah, I was born knowing how to do this, and I have the skills to match. So we tend to think about that as maybe okay in the real world, but... We think that discipleship needs to be tidy and immediate. Um, and we really hamstring ourselves with what we can do for God and the body and his mission. Um, if we're always afraid to step out into something new or to take a new people group, you know, into our hearts or pursue something that might be off the beaten path, we think, oh, if I mess up, that's not, that will not be okay. So I should just stick with where I am. And later on, as I was finishing up my, my dissertation project, I was thinking back over Robert's words to me, and I came back to these verses from Philippians. Um, I'd always been familiar with, with the verses, and from the very beginning, the first person that gave me a Bible, when I, I uh, came back to God in my sophomore year of college, and the woman who was my RA in the dorm, she was part of the Wesley Foundation, it was our campus ministry. She was later a student here in the early 90s. And she gave me my first Bible. Uh, it was an NIV. I've still got it, but it's coming bound from, like, Daniel on. You know, it's all over the place because, you, you know, you look through it so much. And, and in, the, in the front leaf, she had written um, the date, and she said, I thank my God every time I remember you, which was a lovely benediction and blessing and, you know, word of love for someone just starting out on their journey. Um, it would have been neat if she had put the next few verses in But in a way, I've lived into those. She might have just given me verse three, which is, I thank God every time I remember you. Um, But the reality is that as I've been a Christian now for almost 30 years, I've lived fully in the sense of verses four and five and six, you know, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until the day of completion. What, sorry, he'll carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's a great, that's a great word to offer us. Um, It's not this sense of you better be perfect and stay there or God's going to get really mad or you better leave every mistake behind because otherwise we're not sure about whether or not you're worthy to come into the kingdom. It's a sense of joy and confidence that we are going to be able to do something and it is God who helps us do it. Not just helps like bringing along water, do something, but it is God who is at work in us to accomplish these good things. Um, the idea of beginning a good work in us. Um, you know, we don't want to say that we work for our salvation because we do not. But we might work out our salvation, work within our salvation. In, in the book of Philippians, Paul has these themes. And one of them is a the theme of good works, which we see here, God beginning a good work in us. And you go to the second chapter. And he says, therefore, my dear friends, he's just finished talking about God emptying himself, becoming uh, a servant and obedient to death on a cross. It's such a gorgeous, rich image. And he says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. So you have these it's not just some you know, statement that Paul threw out there just to say, I'm, I'm sure you'll do fine. Hang in there, you're gonna do great. I just know it, you know. But he says in, in chapter one, God's going to, God has begun a good work and he is going to be faithful. He's going to see you through it. And not just see you through it, but when you think about work, the word being ergon, and then where it says, God who is at work in you, in verse, uh, chapter two, verse 13, you have ergon, work, and then in, chapter, in verse 13, you have God at work in you, in Aragon, working in you. Another way to look at it is when you think about in Aragon, God is energizing us for the work at hand. That's a great image. It's, a, it's an amazing image because while we participate, we are energized. We are brought to life and moved and brought into and enabled in the best way into the life of Christ and the life of discipleship. Um, It's a beautiful, brilliant word. And it helps us to reorient what it means to be called towards something that is telos, to be called towards being matured, being completed, being perfected, being all that we are called to be by God's good grace. Um, So as we begin... Whatever it is we're beginning today, the new semester's upon us, a doctoral program, maybe a new ministry that you're called into doing, mentor ministry or somewhere else, or if there's just something that you're in the middle of, um, remind yourself that um, we don't just begin um, with good hopes or good intentions, with high energy. We don't just begin hoping that we'll make it down to the end. Paul speaks the same word over us. We are confident that we, um, as, as people of, of the faith in the Word, we are He is confident and we are confident that God will continue in us to bring us to the place of completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God will keep holding us, God will keep moving us. Um, we don't just begin um, with a blessing, we begin within the blessing that Paul speaks, that God conveys and Paul speaks to us. We begin within the blessing of God's energizing, constant faithfulness. Um, Waymaker, he's the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. He is the light in our darkness. Um, That's who he is. And that's a blessing. And so whatever it is that you're stepping out into today and tomorrow, remember that you stand and live and move within this blessing of confidence in what we can do with God and who God is. So I want to leave y'all with that, um, with that word to think about as you move on into whatever we're going to today. So, and the last hymn, which I love, um, I I love this hymn very much because the very last uh, verse is, you know, till he appears or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I'll stand. So Go out, moving within the blessing and remembering that in the power of Christ we stand.